0: What would we do,
1: baby, without us? Shalala. Hello, and welcome to another very special episode of Alex P. Keaton is My Friend. I'm your friend, Phil Vecchio, and on this episode, we'll be discussing Season 4, Episode 14 of Family Ties. This episode is titled Where's Papa? And it originally aired on January 16th, 1986. And with me, as always, to discuss this episode is my very special co-host, Keith. Hey, how you doing, Papa? Good. How are you, (laughs) other
0: Papa? (laughs) That's a weird episode title, especially considering Papa doesn't really fit Mr. Reed very well.
1: Well, I found out through IMDb that there is a 1970 movie called Where's Papa that they probably borrowed the name from. Oh, I 1970, somewhere in the early 70s. Wow, so before us. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And interesting. I clicked it, a couple of fun facts about it. I mean, not that it has any bearing on this show necessarily, except for they took the title, so it's important. George Segal is like the star who plays the grandpa on the Goldbergs, for those not familiar with who that is. Oh and yeah. Yeah, yeah. The advertisement for it, like they had a poster, you know, the movie poster for it, and it mm-hmm. said The tagline said, the tush scene alone is worth the price of admission. And on the front, (laughs) it's got a picture of him and there's like stickers, I think like election stickers or something that are like covering his behind. And then there's a little asterisk after that. And at the bottom, it says, the tush is the part hidden behind the stickers. Oh. It's the weirdest movie poster I've ever seen. Like, I don't. I mean, I guess, I'm assuming it's racy or something like that, but that was such a weird way to advertise it. <laughs>
0: yeah, that sounds so bizarre. Yeah.
1: Wow. I don't okay. know what that has to do with this show, other than they like the title, I guess.
0: <laughs>
1: but there <laughs> that's you go. really bizarre, though. <laughs> I know. Well, I think we found our next movie to watch. There it is. <laughs> Where's Papa? I know that it's, uh, it is R-rated, So, but that's about Whoa. as much as I got there. I don't know. Interesting. Starting out with some fun trivia there. Yeah, I like it. I'm glad you knew that. <laughs> well, I only knew it because of thanks to IMDb, who is not oh, okay. a sponsor of this show. But if they want to reach out, like we refer to IMDb every week. So please write to us at alexbkeaton is my friend at gmail.com, IMDb folks, and let us know how much you want to pay us per episode. We'll talk about IMDb <laughs> a lot.
0: Yeah, I feel like we actually talk about them every week
1: already. Pretty much. I think the Wikipedia folks might want to reach out too, you know. Those are two yeah. main sources, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I think it would be funny if we went on uh, the Wikipedia and we started changing like some of the information.
1: We sh- probably should add our show onto there. Like, It's a uh, significant cultural contribution to the Family Ties universe, right? Yes. Man, if only oh, I knew I how to edit Wikipedia. Hmm.
0: Oh, there, there's a button
1: that says edit. Yeah, it's that easy, right? Oh, Oh, it says you have to be logged in. I have too many things I'm logged into already. I don't know if I can do another one. Oh, lordy. I can't even imagine. Well, before we get to this episode, before we get to the, the meat of the episode, we actually have, I'm going to call it listener mail, a response from a listener to some stuff in a previous episode. And uh, so I wanted to address that. Julia on Facebook has actually responded to a post, and so I wanted to cover that real quick. Nice. On a previous episode, we talked about her reality TV show wedding thing that was made in China. And so she gave us a little additional information about it, and I just wanted to address her comments here. So if you would like to comment like Julia did, another great way to contact us or to communicate with us is in Alex P. Keaton is my friend, uh, our group, a group for the friends of Alex P. Keaton is my friend on Facebook. Okay, so a couple of things we were talking about, like how did this all come about? She mentioned that she wasn't really asked. Remember, in in this story, in case you guys weren't familiar, she married, she's from Germany, she married her husband from China. And so apparently, like the Chinese documentary folks, Reality TV, whatever you want to call it. They covered it. They did this whole, like, special, a two-part special. And she said they weren't really asked. When they organized the Chinese wedding, all people in town knew about it, and the TV station asked to join. It was ridiculous in a way. We had most of the shopping done already and had to do it all over again for the camera, (laughs) which is amazing. I I thought, you know, because I referred to it, or maybe we did, as reality TV. Mm Mm-hmm. So she laughed at the part that we we called it reality TV. She said, reality TV, eh? Ha, ha, ha. I thought reality TV is scripted, and at least in Germany, often has pretty bad actors for the parts. So that's interesting. What do you consider to be reality TV, Keith? So to me, like, I I think really my first definition is
0: always going to be like a survivor. Reality TV just puts a bunch of people in a situation that, you know, they're maybe not 100% prepared for. And then it's just whatever happens, you know, obviously they guide it, I feel like. But so it's got, you know, tasks or events or scenarios that take place. But to me, there's no script. You just really like you give them an action and then you film it and then you watch that
1: reaction. Interesting. So you think more like a contest is reality TV. Yeah, I mean,
0: I guess, like, you could do the same with, like, a Big Brother situation. Yeah. that I don't know why those two are the first ones that come to my mind, but I don't really watch a lot of reality or TV, so...
1: Because <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I think those fall into reality TV for sure. To me, I guess I have a very broad, like, reality TV is a big umbrella, where it's anything that's either unscripted or that uses, you know, non-professional actors or just people in a somewhat mm-hmm. realistic setting. But a lot of times... You know, I mean, there's writers on this. Bachelor has writers, you know, Survivor has writers that guide the thing. They might not write the dialogue, but they, you know, write the scenarios and they say, okay, we need to get this person saying something about this. You know, there's it's it's structured on purpose Mm -hmm. as opposed to just setting a camera in a room and seeing what happens. There's there's a purpose to it. And so to me. Like the reality TV show where they're covering Julia's wedding where they make them re-shop so that they can get that footage. That's reality TV where it's it's covering something that really happened, but you're still recreating something or, you know, performing a bit for the camera, although you're not like a professional actor doing it. So, I don't know. To me, that falls yeah. under that category. Yeah. I mean, I guess that would be like a House Hunters
0: or any of those kinds of things yeah. because you're just – you're getting people shopping for a home.
1: Yeah, you've got all those. I mean, you've got your game show type things, or even like an action game show like Wipeout, you know, where it's, you know, they have all kinds of stuff. That's reality TV. That falls into that, or Fear Factor, you know. You've also got, of course, you know, documentary, like maybe ones that are more loose, you know, not as structured. Some of them can be a lot more cinematic in nature, but there's some of that. You got, of course, uh, your judge shows. That's reality TV. Judge Judy, the People's Court. Pretty highly scripted, though. Oh, definitely. But it's also it's presented as this is real and natural. Mm-hmm. I think all of them are to a certain degree. No, I I see your point, and I don't disagree with you at all. So, but it's a subcategory. This would definitely be a subcategory of reality TV covering yeah. a wedding. I
0: think that's that's funny, thing.
1: though, that in Germany their reality TV has uh, like C
0: or D list actors to do the parts. Yeah. <laughs> So it's not just real life people
1: doing it. But I could also see that as being reality TV, you know. So there's no yeah. question that people in The Bachelor, there's plenty of them that are actors or aspiring actors. Or dolphin trainers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have all kinds of those career titles. None of those people do that stuff. <laughs> they all are in Hollywood because they want to be an actor. They want to be famous for being attractive. That's pretty much it.
0: Do you really think that they're not in it for love? Mm.
1: No, I'm not convinced of that, no. Oh, wow. Wow. Newsflash, man. I'm not ready for that kind of a hot take. I know. Don't try to convince (laughs) Janelle of that either. I can't tell you how many times I've had that conversation of, watch the credits at the end. You see how many writers are on the show? That means it's not really real. It's reality TV, but it's not really real. No, it's just a different kind of game show. Reality TV is when we set up a camera at Christmas morning and just let it run through the whole thing, and then you watch that back. It's not very interesting, even for the people who are in the room.
0: (laughs) That's true reality TV. Oh, that's true. That's so true. And you mentioned Wipeout. Me and Tessa are watching Wipeout.
1: Oh, awesome. I love that. Yeah, we found it on Hulu, so I think we've burned through about the first 10 episodes. (laughs) That's great. And that's reality TV. I mean, you got people who are. Unscripted. I mean, they definitely tell them, okay, you know, you're going to do your funny thing where you can do the splits here. And they make jokes about it. But they're not, like, professional (laughs) actors. They didn't write word for word what they're going to say, usually. No, they just give them a a chance to showcase their abilities. Yeah. And then they film them falling off stuff and getting hit in the nuts. (laughs) Oh, that show is so beautiful and wonderful. So, anyway, Julia says, our two-parter was all in all real. Just the first part has for the camera moments because we already done the shopping and first preparations when the TV team started production. So we had to redo it all. Pretty weird, but the shop owners were so happy to get their advertisement. They change the storyline a bit for the show too. They make it look like my husband and I were in town the whole time and then my family members, parents and brother and sister, came for the celebration. It wasn't this way, lol. My hubby and I were there first, yes, but after we had done our preparations, we flew back to Shanghai to meet my family there and spend some days with them. We all took the train to my in-laws then. The interviews, the celebration and part two, etc. is all real and I really was so busy that I didn't really see the camera at all during that time. No time for that. Okay, and then – so that's that's pretty much that for all that. We, we covered that. And for those that forgot, Keith and I talked quite a bit about being on TV. So Julia was then sharing her time of being on TV. That's how we got to that. I like it. That's awesome. But that definitely – at least to me, that description sounds like what I would call reality TV. Yeah, for sure. For but it's sure. probably defined differently elsewhere. So I get that. Yeah. Okay, so then – We talked about home accidents and self-surgeries and things (laughs) of that nature. Yes. Which, of course, we did. And she says, (laughs) about home accidents. As a teenager, I thought to cut some cheese with a sharp tomato knife was a great idea and cut off half of my fingertip. Only the nail and the bone would stop it, LOL. Ugh. Gosh. Yikes. I was alone at home. The blood was literally flowing. I probably was in shock. I couldn't feel any pain. I just walked calmly to the restroom, cleaned the cut with water, realized it might bleed too strong for a band-aid, so I used toilet paper instead. (laughs) Rolling it around and around and around. Oops, the blood comes through it? Okay, new toilet paper then. This went on for quite a while until the bleeding stopped. I was too ashamed to tell my parents, but the deep cut really grew back together pretty well over the years. For the first 10 years, it was pretty ugly. But now, nearly 30 years after, you can hardly see anything. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it only took 30 years. That's it, That's yeah. back to normal.
1: So, oh, my goodness uh, I I relate to that. I, I, I know that feeling, too, of like, well, I don't want to tell anyone I did this, so I'm just going to figure out what to do with it. The funny part is, too, I was talking to Janelle the other day when she listened back to our show about the whole wart incident on my knee. And the best part is that it worked. Like, I don't have a wart anymore. It never came nope, back. it's gone. So, it was success. Same.
0: I, Tessa has one on her finger now, and I'm like, oh, man. Ugh. When it's on kids, it's the worst because you can't really put, you know, that uh, liquid stuff on it? Yeah,
1: it like, like burns it off. Like, it, it turns off. the
0: skin white, and yeah, and then you have to peel it and do it again and peel it and do yeah. it again. And you just keep going layer by layer until you get to uh, the heart of it and kill it. But, yep. Oh, I remember when Griffin had a couple of them, we had to take him to the doctor, and he, when he got them frozen... It created, like, a huge, like, crater in uh, his hand for the longest time. And he still has a scar. But, (laughs) you know, I'll tell him, hey, in 30 years, you got a good chance it'll be gone. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's right. This gives you hope there. (laughs) Julia's (laughs) finger healed, and she cut off half of it.
0: (laughs) Or at least the fingertip. I have a scar on the back of my leg from where a hibiscus tree went into my leg. Ugh. And it was pretty pretty wide, pretty deep, and the scar is almost gone. I mean, you can see a little bit of a scar still. I mean, you know something was there, but and it's been 30 years on that one too, so she's right.
1: Well, thank you, Julia, for filling us in on all that stuff. Once again, if you guys would like to get a hold of us, a group for the friend of the Alex B. Keaton is My Friend podcast is a great way to find us on Facebook. You can also send us a message on Facebook or email us at friend at gmail.com. Nice. That's a mouthful.
0: It is a mouthful. You did well. (laughs) Sha-la-la-la!
1: I also think that we would do well to talk about the episode we just watched. Yes! Good episode. Well, this episode opens up with Jennifer and Mallory, and they are uh, showing Andy a catalog, trying to get him to pick some stuff out in the mail order catalog. They want to give him some presents, and uh, they're having him pick, (laughs) which I love, (laughs) Because they said they're just having a point at it and they're writing a list. And this, for modern audiences, is what an Amazon wish list looked like back, you know, when we were kids. It came in a big, <laughs> big, fat book and you would go through and you'd circle it or whatever and hope and wish that one of your parents or grandparents would see what you circled and maybe get you one of those things.
0: Oh, yeah. We used to fold the pages over, circle, do all kinds of crazy stuff. And then you'd get pants and socks and that kind of right. stuff. <laughs> yep that's usually how it goes <laughs> you got the spirit breaker gifts
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah underwear Yeah, yes. when you get a little older you start getting like deodorant and stuff like that like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: that's your stocking stuffers yep. you know something to make you not smell terrible as an yeah, acne uh, teenage cream. boy <laughs> yeah your <laughs> <Here's> stridex <laughs> uh, you get pencils for the second half of school. <laughs> school supplies yeah Apparently that truck never broke down at Christmas time where I live. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the funny thing is, like, in a, as an adult, you know, those kind of things sound great. Like, yeah, just buy all the necessities so I don't have to. That's boring. Yeah, but as a kid, you don't really appreciate it. You really don't. Well, Andy didn't seem to appreciate it either because he wasn't really picking out stuff that they wanted. So they kind of cart Andy off. This was definitely a small bit of a B story there to start things up. And uh, Alex shows up in the kitchen, and it turns out that he has been selected to organize the parent-students orientation weekend at Leland College. And he goes on and brags about how he got picked from, like, I don't know, 250 other students or whatever. And then Ellen is like, they pulled your name out of a hat. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's very excited about this. He's going to make this the greatest parent-student orientation weekend ever and he's just you know he's got all these ideas already bubbling up so he talks about like you know oh you know Ellen when when is your dad coming out or you know I can't wait to meet your dad or whatever and she's like yeah he's probably not coming out and he's like oh no why not and she's like yeah he probably doesn't know about it because I didn't invite him and we find (laughs) out that Ellen does not get along with her dad that her mom died at some point so it's just her and her dad and They do not get along. They haven't spoken for quite some time. And she doesn't really want him to come to the parent weekend. At this point, Elise and Steven kind of excuse themselves as they often do. And I don't know if you (laughs) caught this. We rewound and watched this part about five times. When they walk out, Steven says, like, oh, if you want to talk or whatever, you know, let us know. And Elise walks out and she goes, bah. No. Now, we rewound it and we think she's saying Bye. But it sounds like she just goes, bah. Bah. <laughs> and we watched it like four times and just were like cackling. It was so funny because I, it was a really weird take, but I guess everything else was good. And they're like, eh, no one's going to notice a ba. <laughs>
0: they're all
1: bah. I'm go boy. back and watch that scene. If you get a chance, dear listeners, and listen to the ba. It's good stuff. Wow.
0: That's wacky. No, yeah. I didn't even catch that. <laughs> we were laughing though because they said, Oh, yeah, if you want to talk about anything, just let us know. But they couldn't get out of that room faster. Yeah, yeah, then
1: they leave. You want to talk? <laughs> let us know. Bye. <laughs> not right now though. So later on, Alex tries to convince Ellen that he should come. And he finds out that Ellen is not just uh, Ellen, she's also a daughter of someone who is wealthy. So he's very excited about this. I guess before that, though, he, he's presenting all, all of his ideas to the family, shows them their schedule, and they're like, oh, this might be a little intense, Alex. He's got such things on there as a, a rugby match. He's got, um. <laughs> he, they said that, that they have to show up and have a welcome, and then 15 minutes later, there's an exam on the welcome and <laughs> all kinds of other stuff. Alex is obviously going to be very intense about this, but Ellen finds out That uh, her dad has been invited. She's very unhappy about this because um, he told her that the director of the parent-student weekend called him personally to invite him. And she's very, very unhappy (laughs) with Alex for having done this. And he's like, oh, I just, you know. She's like, what did you say to him? He's like, oh, I just said the same thing I said to all the parents that I called. And she said, you called the other parents and told them Ellen is excited to see you this weekend? (laughs) And he's like thinks about it and he's like, yes. And they're all really excited to see you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. So at this point, this is when he finds out that her dad, you know, all he cares about is money. She said business, profits, making money. And just, you know, all it's horrible. He's got a car phone, a limo, horse stables, and Alex... As he hears all this stuff, it's just getting more and more excited. He's like, oh, I'm starting to get a warm glow inside. (laughs) Ellen, you're rich. I love you. He... Plays it off that he's joking, but he's he's pretty genuinely excited to hear all this, you know. Exactly. It's surprising since Ellen is, you know, so artsy and stuff, you wouldn't have expected it. So, anyway, a little bit later, Mallory and Jennifer come back through, and this is the payoff for their thing with the catalog. They said that Andy wouldn't cooperate and pick stuff that they wanted, so they decide they're going to make him a present, and they've got, like, balls of yarn and knitting stuff, and they're like, yeah, we're going to make Andy a ski sweater, and Alex is like, oh, I didn't know you guys know how to knit. And they're like, we don't. But Annie doesn't know how to ski. <laughs> so they go oh, back like off that. again. Meanwhile, there's a knock at the door. And it's Ellen's dad, Mr. Reed. The reason he came to the Keaton's house is that he went to Ellen's dorm room. And Ellen's roommate gave him the Keaton's address to come and find her here. I feel that that, I mean, I don't know how... Other college roommate situations work, but I feel like that's a long stretch there. Yeah. I can't imagine anybody knowing my address who, you know, I just lived in a dorm with. Yeah. I mean, even my roommate, who I was really good friends with, if someone came by and said, oh, you know, Phil's at his parents' house, where is he? He'd be like, I don't know, Big Bear? Like, he probably would have known the (laughs) town I live in, you know? Like, that's about it. I couldn't have given you his address, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Oh, you're like, oh, yeah, it's over here on... I knew how to get to his house. I mean we like hung out at each other's houses, but I didn't know his address. You're lucky if you know the general vicinity in the city. Exactly. This is before (laughs) it was in your phone. (laughs) Yep. He did live off the ten. That's crazy. How did you know?
0: What? Oh my gosh.
1: Well, so Alex and Mr. Reed get to talking and Alex has just, you know, fallen in love with him. He can't believe that he's found like a kindred spirit. They're talking about stuff and Mr. Reed also starts to really like Alex. He said, I expected you to be another one of your modern art boobs. <laughs> he said, I assumed you'd be one of those bohemian punk hippie parasite types. <laughs> so he had some great vocabulary. Yes, he did. But they're getting along really well. And then Ellen comes in and she sees their dad there. And she kind of politely greets them. But they already start to have sort of a little clash. He said... You know, where were you? And she's like, "Oh, I was at the airport waiting for you. And he's like, no, I said I'd meet you at your dorm room. And they're kind of, you know, obviously not seeing eye to eye. And they kind of brush it off, but there's already some tension there. Oh, yeah, it's cold. So we kind of fast forward. There's some time where they've had part of the weekend already. They come back into the house and Alex is like all beat up. He looks (laughs) just trashed. He's like been run over by a freight train and it turns out he had a mishap during the parent-student football game and he describes being like just crushed by this other player and trampled over and it was so horrible. And they're like, yeah, mom, you really let him have it. <laughs> and she's like, oh, you're fine, Alex. Don't be such a mama's boy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was my favorite part of the episode because uh, Elise is like such a, a hippie and she's yeah. a lovey dovey and then she plays football and she takes people
1: out. <laughs> Uh, And later on, when Alex is talking with uh, Ellen's dad, and he's, like, talking about how Ellen could have been, you know, achieved all these things, but he's like, she didn't have that killer instinct like your mother does, Alex. (laughs) I love thinking of Elise like that.
0: Yes, just taking people out. (laughs) She's all, it was a clean tackle. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Don't be such a mama's boy. (laughs) Oh, she's the best. At some point in that time, also, Jennifer and Mallory present the sweater that they've knitted for Andy. (laughs) And it has four arms, which they're not very pleased with. And uh, Alex is like, Where'd you get that? The octopus shack? (laughs) <laughs> and they're like they're like, it's for Andy. And he's like, that's not a sweater for one person. And they're like, well he can wear it with a friend. <laughs> but it really is a sweater for one person because it's not like,
0: you know, you are gonna squeeze two people into the body part of it. No. It's just for like a sweater for Stitch, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. Octopus Shack
1: was hilarious. <laughs> Octopus Shack. Then uh they're see, so the Keatons then are talking with Ellen's dad and kinda talking about how their kids are. They they tell him that Alex has always been like really organized. You know, this weekend is just one example, that when he was still in diapers, he organized a parent baby weekend cruise. <laughs> <laughs> but they said, you know, now he's really like he's growing up and developing and even though he's like very organized like that, he's finally maturing, he's almost able to say the word feminist without laughing. And then the dad laughs, laughs because he's also immature. And then Alex comes by laughing. He's like, oh, did somebody say feminist? And laughs. (laughs) So he's still got some maturing to go, I guess. Just a little bit. Anyway, this is taking place at the dance. That's part of the the parent student weekend at the college and Steven and Elise go off to dance. Alex is kinda of mingling and doing party stuff. And Ellen's dad asks her if she'll dance with him and she's like, I don't really enjoy dancing. And he's like, Ellen, it's your major and <laughs> <laughs> she only likes to dance with David. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, David. <laughs> anyway they kind of step aside and they start having a heart to heart and we find out just kind of what's gone on between them that you know he was busy and wasn't always there for her and she felt like he didn't listen and didn't see her and he really wanted her to achieve all these things and she's like the reason i didn't do that the reason i dropped out of the sports you wanted me to do and all that stuff is that i wanted you to notice me and pay attention to me and He starts to let her know, like, I I know, like, I I made mistakes, but I really want, I'm here now, and I really want to make things better. She's like, I've got all this other stuff going, and I'm just not ready to do that right now. I've got friends, I've got school, I've got Alex. And Alex knows that there's more to life than making money. And that Alex, of (laughs) course, has been eavesdropping, and when she says that, he drops his clipboard into the punch bowl. (laughs) 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 <laughs> Which they did not show him shutting down the punch bowl, so I'm concerned for the folks at the party. <laughs> right. They're gonna get some clipboard punch. In fact, in a in a world where we've experienced a pandemic, the idea of a giant open bowl sitting in a room full of hundreds of people and everyone scooping out of the same thing and drinking it is I don't know, it's disturbing to me now.
0: <laughs> it is, it is kind of the same thought process behind like a buffet now. Right. You know? I was never a big fan, and now all of a sudden I'm really not a fan.
1: Especially with that many different people milling about,
0: it's bad I idea. I feel like, you know, you could take your plate and somebody else scoops it for you. Maybe that's not as bad, but... Yeah, that's better. That's better. So at least, you know, you don't get those weird, you know, sneezy people. And <laughs>
1: right.
0: Kids touching all the stuff, and
1: yeah. Although we do, know. my mom has like a punch bowl, and at holidays she always makes a really good punch. But, you know, it's like with just our family, which is a little different and, you know, it's a little more controlled environment. But she always has, like, I don't know what she calls it, but it's like a rotating punch where it starts out and it's got, you know, like a fruit juice kind of thing. And then, you know, like a 7-Up or something to make it sparkly, right? And then she scoops in like a rainbow sherbet kind of thing to, you know, it's really good, right? So then, like, we have that. And then as it starts to get a little low throughout, like, you know, our Christmas party or whatever. Then she'll, like, do another. she got another kind of fruit. But it's, like, a complimentary one that'll mix with it. You know, maybe she'll throw some strawberries in there or some other, like, fruit, you know, so, like, frozen strawberries or another fruit juice or a different kind of sherbet or a different kind of, like, maybe some ginger ale this time. And it, like, constantly evolves. So you never get the same punch twice. Wow, that's kind of cool. It's pretty fantastic. This is a fairly recent tradition, like, probably the last, I don't know five or six years, but it's That's something great I greatly tradition. enjoy. Yeah, it's really good. Nice. So, it's a punch bowl
0: tip for you. We used to go to a Christmas party with some of friends, and they would always make like a crock pot, and it had like a, like an apple cider in it. Oh yeah. It was- a little bit thicker. It had like the cinnamon sticks in there and yeah. orange peels and that kind of stuff. And it was hot. So, you know, when it'd be cold outside, you know, you go and scoop that and ladle mm. it up. And now you got some really hot apple cider and it was good.
1: I do like an apple cider.
0: That's good. I do too, but it was like mold or whatever, you know, they put all those spices and stuff in it and it just was, it hit the spot cause it was, it'd warm
1: you up and tasted so good and cinnamon. Oh, I loved it. I often get hungry when we record this show, and we do it late (laughs) at night usually, so I really shouldn't be, but this is a problem. (laughs) Well, we're just like the Keatons, you know? We got to go check the fridge every time. (laughs) That's why they're always going at three in the morning to go get food. They've been talking about (laughs) it all this time. They're probably doing a podcast when they're not on camera. I wonder what podcast they were doing.
0: Family. (laughs) The TV show Family with uh, Elise.
1: About family, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Episode by episode. (laughs) Yeah. Well, anyway, things, you know, kind of fall apart at the end of the dance, and we're back at the Keaton house, and, you know, Alex is is totally bummed because he feels like it's all his fault that Ellen and her dad had a fight, and, of course, Stephen and Elise encourage him, and they're like, you know, it's not all your fault, you know, you, you didn't know this was all going to happen, and eventually, Ellen comes over, and, and he apologizes, and she's like, you know, it's, it would have happened sooner or later anyway, and she tells him kind of how she felt growing up, and he's like... He didn't understand how you wouldn't – he's like, my parents and I fight sometimes, but we get along. And, you know, eventually we make up. They realize they were wrong, and then everything <laughs> goes back to normal. <laughs> yes. But he does say that, you know, she's like, that's why she ran away is she just couldn't get along with him. And he's like, Alex says that he ran away once when he was six in 1972, which means Alex was born in 1966. Yes. Um, and he said that he ran away. And she's like, why would you run away? Well, it turns out they voted for McGovern. <laughs> of course, it was the politics at age six. And he's like, I just couldn't stay in a house like that. That's the crime dog, right? Yeah, McGovern, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he got his, his stuff. He put his briefcase on the end of a stick. And he walked out. And he, he intended to go to Washington to live with the Nixons in the White House. But... <laughs> He didn't make it that far. He only made it to Skippy's house, and he wound up. He said after 10 minutes, he couldn't take it anymore, so (laughs) he went back home. (laughs) Interestingly enough, McGovern was the Democratic candidate for president in 1972, so they got the year correct. Do you know who he ran against? Oh, 1972- well, uh, you'd think it would be Nixon. You could be right. Okay.
0: <laughs> feels like I could also be wrong.
1: It feels like you could. No, so he ran, I believe it was Nixon's second term that he was going oh, for. Oh, okay. Because Nixon did have a second term, but then he resigned during the second term. And
0: then so that's when Ford took over.
1: Yeah. Phew. There we go. That's who they voted for. Of course, Alex is a dyed-in-the-wool Republican <laughs> all the way back till he was in diapers. <laughs> <laughs> During this, there's a knock at the door and, of course, it's Ellen's dad and he comes in and they talk about it. He's like, I just wanted to say a proper goodbye. And he makes one kind of final plea to make up with her and she starts to see that maybe he really is trying to make an effort. And as he walks away, she calls out to him and she says, Daddy. And he turns around and hugs her and they said, oh, maybe we can make another try at it. And, and uh, I will fully admit that the dad and daughter – in a movie or TV show, that is like my kryptonite. Like, I was totally weeping at this part. It'll get you every time. Yeah, every time. Like, it just... Oh, anyway... Got me in the feels. So, Mm. and then I wasn't the only one because then when he does turn to leave and he says goodbye to Alex and offers him (laughs) a handshake, Alex like gives him a big weepy hug. Bye, sir. (laughs) So he leaves and he walks out the door and then Alex turns to Ellen and is like, Oh, what do you want to do next weekend? (laughs) And we get a freeze frame and that's the end of the episode. Uh, Kind of weird too because like he wasn't there to comfort her. Like she was at the front door
0: and he was like leaning against the. Wall for the stairs kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Well, I think he was he was mourning her dad leaving too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. He's like,
0: how can I get my hands on her money?
1: <laughs> Poor Alex. It's so funny because they do manage to make him likable, even though he definitely does a lot of things that are not likable. Right. You really, you get... Like, he really is a good guy underneath. He is. Well, that's, you know, he gives kids ice cream cones after his sister whoops them up. That's right. (laughs) Even though he really was excited about Ellen's dad's money, he really cared about her first. Yeah. But he also was excited about the money. Very emotional, but they made up in the end. Or at least they showed that there was, like, you know, a way forward. Well, there's a chance that they're going to continue to
0: connect. There he is. Well, we've got a few more episodes of Ellen left, so hope, you know, fingers crossed
1: maybe your dad'll come back. Well, you know how we could find out if he does? How? Let's look at the guest stars.
0: Sha-la-la-la.
1: So we had in this episode one guest star, only one credited guest star. Oh, really? I yeah, nobody else could at the be. party. Yeah. Just <laughs> just the dad. But it was an interesting one. Did you recognize him at all? Oh, yeah. Could you like place anything where he was from, or you just kind of recognize the face?
0: No, so I remember him in RoboCop.
1: Yeah, okay. I
0: remember him in Total Recall. Yeah. He's definitely been an actor for a very long time and has done a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah, he's one of those guys, that those guys, he's just in everything. Uh, Franklin Mm -hmm. Reed is the character, Ellen's dad, played by Ronnie Cox is the name of the actor. He has 144 acting credits, including a current one in production right now. And oh. he was acting all the way back in the 70s, like definitely been around for a lot of stuff. Here's some highlights. Let's nice. see. He had a recurring character on Stargate SG-1. He was in the movie Murder at 1600. He played the president cool. in that one. Oh, and he was vice president in Stargate. He was in a show called Family Law. Oh, interesting. Diagnosis Murder. He was in a TV movie called The Part of the Family. A lot of families. yeah. L.A. Law, so he was in Family Law, Family Ties, L.A. Law. I don't know how he chooses his titles, but maybe it's some sort of a puzzle here to unravel. I'm not sure. Right. (laughs) He was on Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, yes. He was in Captain America. Oh. The 1990 Captain America that's, like, real weird. And I don't know if you've ever seen, like, clips of it or not. Very low budget. Yes. uh, I have seen a couple of clips. Yeah.
0: I was just wondering, like, if he was one of the council
1: members from like Captain America: The Winter <laughs> Soldier, and I'm like, no,
0: I don't remember nope, him being
1: yeah. on the the council there. <laughs> I saw that at first and thought something similar, but then I was like, oh, okay, wrong Captain America, but still, yeah, he's yeah. in the Marvel universe somewhere, <laughs> kind of, maybe in one of those multiverse ones coming up. Oh, <laughs> right, <laughs> we'll see him in there. He was in, of course, Total Recall, as you point out. He's Kohagen. Cohagan, <laughs> Cohagan. And he was in Loose Cannons with Dan Aykroyd and Gene Hackman, Robocop, oh, wow. Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2.
0: Oh, that's right. He was the captain, the police captain.
1: Yep. Oh. He was in so much Fugitive Family, which is another family show he was in. Oh, right? <laughs> this is, however, his only Family Ties appearance.
0: Oh, what?
1: So we don't get to see, at least on camera, their reconciliation. But I'm sure they could talk about it off camera. I'm sure they will. But there is one other show One other show that he was on That we have to discuss And I don't know how familiar you are with this show But he was a Recurring character who's actually a a police chief In this one as well On a TV show called Cop Rock Are you familiar with this? That was the Sylvester Stallone show, wasn't it? No Yeah, but I don't think Sylvester Stallone Was in it, was he? Wasn't he like a producer? He might have been It was created by Stephen Bochco, who I think did, like, LAPD or NYPD Blue or things like that. I don't know. One of those, like, Mm -hmm. you know, real ones. But, yeah, it's like a police musical, like, procedural. Like, they would, you know, bust a criminal, and then they all go out in the street and do, like, a Broadway dance and sing a song about
0: it. Crazy. That sounds perfect.
1: Perfect. Now, they only made 11 episodes. I have only watched, like, YouTube clips and stuff. I was not... It was 1990. I was not you know, with it enough to watch cop rock in 1990. But he's the police chief. This show has only had 11 episodes, but it was nominated for three primetime Emmy Awards and won two. Oh. The pilot really? episode won for Outstanding Achievement in Music and Lyrics by Randy Newman, who did the music for it. What? The
0: yes. The that did the, the songs for Toy Story? You got a friend in me. Yeah. All the right?
1: time. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's just such a weird, like, it's such a bizarre show that ever existed. And he was, like, one of the main actors in it. Wow. So I Googled it because I'm looking. I'm like, I feel like Sylvester Stallone had something
0: to do with it. But he's not listed at all. So I'm just 200% wrong.
1: Well, you got the part about the musical police. So, I mean, that's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> just not the right policeman. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just missing one big part of it.
1: Wow. So, cop rock. Cop yeah. rock. And Stephen Boschko did a lot of television shows. Yeah, like legitimate police shows. So it's really funny that he did it. I don't know. There are people that, like, stand by it and say it was a legitimately good show. I think it's bizarre. And I can't believe it actually ever made it to pilot, let alone 11 episodes. But, you know. Yeah.
0: Stephen Botchko <laughs> did L.A. Law. There you oh. go. And he did Hill Street Blues and NYPD Blue. Yes.
1: Interesting. I don't know if that's where you know him from, but he was in a lot of stuff. I'm impressed. You got RoboCop and Total Recall. I remember because he's the bad guy in those. Yeah. Well, especially in, in Total Recall because he's got that great, like, makeup thing. You know, you, I can picture his, like, face in, you know, it looks like plastic, but it was a model of his face, you know? Yes. Because isn't he the one that the guy, like, lives inside of? No, no, no. That was, um uh... Quail.
0: Quaid? No, Quaid. That's Randy, or not Randy Quaid, but that was uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger character was Quaid. Okay,
1: what was the name? Yeah, wasn't it Quaid? Like no. Qua- Quaco. Quato. Something. Quato. Quato. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's it. But I thought yeah, Quato lived a- inside of Cohagen. I don't think so. Well, shoot, now I'm going to look it up. I could be wrong. I'm probably mixing it all up there. It's been a long time since I watched Total Recall. He was the bad guy I
0: thought that was pulling the strings on everything to stop Mars from getting... Uh, air
1: yeah like pulling all the oxygen out oh you're right and quato was like the resistance guy yeah okay you know you're right you're right like i said it's been a long time (laughs) (laughs) you mean you don't watch total recall on a regular basis no probably i probably watched it in college was the last time speaking of college oh (laughs) You know, I have seen it before, but I do not have total recall about the plot. That is for sure.
0: Oh, I see what you did there. (laughs) Yeah, And his face got all funky because when they were on Mars, he didn't have any oxygen. And so his face like, you know, got all weird and blew up. And And it started to happen
1: Arnold Schwarzenegger, but then like he got out just in time or whatever. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So we're right. I knew that I'd seen his face in like a weird, like prosthetic fake model thing. I'm I'm having partial recall about the movie now,
0: <laughs> and Quato has psychic abilities. He can read uh, people's minds, so <laughs> that goes back to our episode. A oh, couple that's right, slightly psychic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm writing that screenplay. I'm telling you, that's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a hit.
0: <laughs> the Elise part was my favorite part when she just she has that switch and when she flips it. She gets all mean, and she's like, you don't want to mess with her. <laughs> yeah. and she's done that a few times over the last couple of seasons, and just I love that. I love it. She has that killer instinct. She does. She does. She goes right for the throat. And I loved how she said, bah,
1: <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> I,
0: I, when we finish recording, I'm going to have to go check that out. <laughs> <Bah>. It's seriously <laughs> the most
1: bizarre performance. Like, It's very small, but it's, <laughs> I don't know. Again, Janelle and I went back and watched it like five times, and we're laughing at it. <laughs> so hard. So. Bah. I
0: don't know how we missed that, too, but, oh, you know what? Because we had talked about how the parents – well, Heidi had mentioned the parents say, we're here if you want to talk, and then they walk away. And they and walk away, right.
1: Well, it's at <laughs> so that part we the first time they yeah. do Yeah. Yeah. Probably missed it. It's very subtle. Just enough that, like, I'm like, wait, who did – I didn't even know who made the sound at first. I'm like, who did that, like, boss sound? And we had to, like, rewind just to see who actually did it. But it was Elise. She's saw, bah, going to Octopus Shack. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> <laughs> going to turn on her killer instinct to go play football. <laughs> bah. <Right.
0: laughs> she had to wrap her uh, ankles and wrists.
1: <laughs> Sha-la-la-la. A lot
0: of laughs in this episode.
1: It was. It was another good, really funny one. And even though Mallory and Jennifer had a short little B story, it was, a, it was good. It was a very funny one. Yeah, I thought so. I'm like, oh, they don't even know how to knit, so that sounds perfect. I love, though, that for not knowing how to knit, they made, like, a perfect sweater. It just happened to have four arms. Like, <laughs> you have to know how to knit pretty well to do that badly at knitting.
0: Yeah. And at what point do you look at it and go, geez, how
1: many arms does this kid have? <laughs> right. I know, because knitting, to the best of my knowledge, is not, like, a fast process. So I feel no. like you would have a moment where you could, like, stop that, but
0: it just went for it. Yeah. When you would look at that and go, wait a minute, something <laughs> doesn't make sense here, boo
1: la
0: la Well,
1: was there a moral to this episode? So,
0: I didn't go with the touchy-feely moral on this one. Oh. I really thought that Alex should have just minded his own business and stayed in his own lane. And I think that sometimes you just have to honor what somebody is telling you. Yeah. You don't just push and
1: go around thinking you know what's best when you don't know the whole story. Well, because it really, I mean, she was very gracious at the end and was like, oh, this would happen eventually, but it could have gone very badly for him because he definitely stepped over what she had asked him to do. Well, and we don't know. Like, I mean, obviously they've tackled tough subjects in the past, but.
0: You know, what if her dad was a crackhead or, you know, what if he was just a really bad guy or a criminal or something? I mean, what if he was an abuser or something?
1: Right. Alex didn't know. And, you know, it's funny. Janelle and I talked about this a little bit because, you know, Janelle grew up as a child of divorce. And so there was a lot of different types of relationships there which were similar to, I mean, not exactly the same thing. But, you know, I did not have divorce in my family. And so we had some similar conversations where we had very different family dynamics growing up, you know. But the difference is I didn't, like, invite her family without talking to her and then find out about it. Like, we learned by having lots and lots of conversations over the years to get to know what her family was like and how I could relate to that and help her work through that, you know, because it was different for me.
0: What relationships, you know, were edifying and which ones you had to kind of steer clear of? Right, just because of whatever situation had occurred.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a much more nuanced thing than just invite him out for the weekend and everything will work itself out. You know? Yeah, no, you don't want your dad to go to Leland College where you go. Which, by no, the way, who
0: pays for her to go to college?
1: I mean, either she got scholarships because she's good at art, she took out loans, or she's still accepting dad's money even though she doesn't talk to him. <laughs> yes. What Maybe a, yes to all three yeah, right
0: <laughs> They talked just enough for her to cash that check
1: Yeah, I don't want any of your money Except can you still pay for my college? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dance major <laughs> Yeah, I've got no like financial prospects after I graduate so. <laughs> <laughs> No, just me and David Out, you know <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean he's got a special something I think he can go places, but <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> he's got a
0: real gift <laughs> yes, <he does. laughs> yeah oh there's that's gonna be funny. people that listen to this and don't remember that episode no, oh that's
1: okay we, we don't well that that's one that's a deep cut for a long time listener there
0: <laughs> yes oh that that's awesome good old david and the other thing my other question is why are jen and mallory like so like interested in trying to give Andy a gift like is it Christmas his birthday they don't really describe any reason why other than just oh you know we just wanted to pick through this catalog
1: well Mallory did say that she had perfected catalog shopping by the time she was his age so I think she wants to train him up to like know how to shop and pick out gifts for himself that makes sense I guess that's what I took away from it that and it was a good excuse to have a four-armed octopus sweater (laughs) I wonder if Octopus Shack is next door to Radio Shack. <laughs> I don't know. But I bet it's pretty great. They got ink and beaks.
0: <laughs> beaks.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> it's next to Bird Shack. Yeah. And there's not a lot of, like, wise people shopping there. It's just full of suckers. <laughs> oh. Bump, 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 bump. Uh, I couldn't can help it.
0: <laughs> right?
1: Yeah. You, so, you needed
0: eight arms to try to bring that joke together. I,
1: I did, right. <laughs> I had to really siphon the humor off of that one.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, lordy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> well... I don't even know how to recover from that. That's just that's right. Not bad. How
0: do you transition from that one?
1: I don't know. It's uh, I don't, I don't. Speaking you know what we of do? Things under the sea. <laughs> that's right. Speaking of things that are really good at camouflage, let's change colors, <laughs> right?
0: Um, uh, uh, you know what? We haven't had Nick in a long time. Where's Nick been?
1: I know. We need a Nick episode. We've gotten a couple Ellens, which is nice. Yep. We've had a couple of uh, of Skippies, but we definitely need a Nick. We kind of yeah. had Alex's Nick last episode, so at least there's that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> we did. When he was working at the quarry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I love that one. Ah, that's such a good episode.
1: Well... This has been a great episode as well. And I've really enjoyed been. recording it with you. I always enjoy recording with you. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> Even on a day Where's- when there's like all kinds of stuff going on, I know that like Keith is going to be there and we can talk family ties. I know Keith has been looking at Wikipedia, reading about family ties for hours beforehand. (laughs) getting all kinds of background knowledge just in case, so we're prepared for the show. Yeah, I feel like we have to do a deep dive
0: on the whole musical uh, composition of this thing.
1: That's right. Yeah, we were just talking off mic about how the theme songs have changed. I don't understand why. Good old Johnny Mathis and Denise Williams. You know, Julia shared with us quite a while ago about the different German versions you know, yes. there's been all different kinds. So international versions of it. I mean, there's a lot that you could do a very deep dive on that.
0: I think I might have to put together a presentation on it.
1: You should definitely do that.
0: <laughs> That's good. Hey, we had an Ellen episode, a couple of them now, and we haven't heard the theme song for them.
1: For That's Alex true. Ellen. Like not since those beginning episodes. Yeah, I just thought of that, actually. Because it was popular enough that like people associated it with them, so we've got to have it more. Couldn't have been just from that one couple of episodes at the beginning. Because there's only been, I mean, we only have a few episodes left of Ellen, so... They're, they oh. must use it heavily upcoming, I'm sure. Well, because I remember you talking about, like, it was featured heavily in Season 4. Hmm. Well, I mean, and this is what's interesting. I'm looking back at my notes on it. And it says that the Family Ties appearance sparked its billboard chart ascent in 1987. Oh. Which, that makes sense. That means that even though it was used earlier, that it didn't become, like, super popular and associated with them until this season. Okay. That makes sense.
0: Or, I guess, there's a possibility it's the first half of next
1: season. That's true. Because this season, I think, is over in, like, March. Their time frame, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, it would be the next season. I mean, I don't know exactly how it lined up, but I think that's definitely what we're going to see.
0: Well, fingers crossed, you know, we need to get back into that uh, era of love.
1: Yes, at this moment, (laughs) by Billy Vera and the Beaters. Yes, that too. (laughs) Well, we've deep dived. We've swum with the octopus. (laughs) Cephalopod. Now we're swimming with the fishes. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) We've done our cephalopod coverage. We've talked about the episode. I think it's time to wrap it up here. Well, I guess if you say so. I do. I say so. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been another very special episode. Once again, thank you, Keith, for joining me. And thank you, dear listeners, for uh, joining us. We, we love hearing from you. And in fact, Keith, how can our listeners get a hold of us? Let's uh, let's give them a little reminder. Well, they should write us an email at
0: friend at gmail.com. They could find us on Facebook, our group of friends of Alex P. Keaton... Friend group close dot, enough. Dot, yeah. that. That <laughs> <Yeah. in there. laughs> or they can go to our website at Alexp is my friend at gmail.com again. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> our email. <laughs> oh yeah, that is our email. Maybe yeah. just our website, AlexPeaton is my
1: friend.com. Dot com. That's the one, yeah. And of course you can find us on Podchaser. Oh, Pod Chaser, yeah. We're there. We're everywhere. We're everywhere you want to be. (laughs) Except on MySpace. Except on MySpace. We haven't broken the MySpace (laughs) bubble just yet, but we'll get there. One Um, day we will aspire to be on there. Did you see that meme of uh, Tom from MySpace and it's all, you miss
0: me now, don't you? And it was about (laughs) all the Twitter and Facebook and meta and all that stuff. And it's like, looking pretty good to you, aren't I? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Uh, Honestly, I still loved MySpace the most. As it was, you know, if we could go back to like old school MySpace, I would be all over it. Well, I made a comment to
0: Heidi earlier today. I'm like, oh, you know, come to the dark side. We have cookies. And she was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, wait, what? How do you not know (laughs) that? Like, it's a meme now.
1: But I mean, it was like a flare. It was a button. There's so many features on MySpace that we don't have anywhere else. None. None places anymore. I know. Let's get Justin
0: Timberlake on the phone.
1: At least Podchaser does have that, like, top eight, you know, that gives me a little bit of those feels.
0: Now, if we could only come up with, like, our favorite music that played when people went to our uh, our Podchaser page.
1: Yeah, because it was like everyone (laughs) had their own, like, space, you know, to put what they wanted out there. They had their space. It's very well named. Whereas Facebook... You know, I there's no pages that are, you know, you'll flip through anything. I guess you see people's faces, but But people I can find us there. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> and they can also find us when we join them again next week on another very special episode of Alex P. Keaton is my friend.
0: What would we do, baby? Without, without us. What would we do, baby? Without us. And there ain't no nothing we can love each other through. What would we do, baby, without?